Russell Wilson cashes in. Jimmy G is going to stay in the Bay after all. We preview the AFC North and the NFC East. And finally, the clinic is going to give one bold prediction for the NFL season. Welcome to a special edition of the clinic. We're talking NFL and gambling today. I'm Sammy Neighbor, and I've got my fellow hooligans with me here. JJ, how you living, my man? Sammy, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. How about you, brother? I cannot complain, man. We're one week away, and I'm excited about it. John, how you doing? I'm doing great. My fantasy team's looking up, at least in my mind, but hopefully they kill it. Let's go. Nice. June, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I can't wait for this NFL season to start. In the words of Bart Scott, can't wait. Nice. Nice. Neither can Zach Wilson when he walks into a bar in Newport Beach and let's move in. All right. (laughs) So let's start it off. Russell Wilson today was revealed to sign a contract extension. As most of our listeners probably know, he was traded to the Broncos this offseason. Signed a five-year, $245 million extension that if he plays out, will keep him under contract with the Broncos till 2028. It's the third most lucrative contract in NFL history behind Sean Watson, no comment, and Kyler Murray. So, (laughs) Russell Wilson now has the second highest cap hit in the NFL this year behind only Aaron Rodgers. So, in the scope of things, where would you all rank Russell Wilson among NFL QBs right now in this moment? Oh, wow. You know, my gut... My initial reaction, and I'll go with that without even thinking about it. For some reason, I I mean, I think I went top five. Wow, okay. Yeah, I think he's top five. Now, I would put Aaron Rodgers above him. Tom Brady is kind of at this point in his career. I know he won a Super Bowl two years ago, but I'd probably still put Tom Brady maybe over him. But, I mean... Herbert, who else are we talking about here, right? We're talking about... There's a certain gentleman in Kansas City who might want to work. (laughs) There's a reason why I avoided him intentionally. (laughs) I I don't know who you're referring to. No, Patty Mahomes. But then maybe Russell Wilson's like four or five to me. Okay. He's definitely top ten. Maybe even... Maybe Johnny's even right that he's top five just because that element when he takes over games, he has those two or three big games where you're just like damn dude is are is this dude really gonna win it again and i was about to uh slip my words and say the seahawks but thank <laughs> you that he left our division gin and he is now in the difficult afc west facing mahomes car and who else herbert so herbert. yeah i would definitely say like, what I feel about, like, Russell Wilson is that you pay the man whatever he wants because he's a proven winner. If you give him the right surroundings, he's going to win, dude. And, like, Seattle over and over and over did not give him a really good O-line. They would not listen to him on offense either whenever he wanted to, like, take over a game. And we all know that, like, when Russell Wilson does his thing, he could really take over a game. And yep. it's great that... He lands with the Broncos because for him, he should have confidence that John Elway is going to take care of him, right? And now it looks like he's going to be taken care of until what? He's like 38? If he plays out the contract, almost 40. 40. Yeah. 40, yeah. So what perfect marriage, right? 
Russell Wilson, Twilight of his era, or Twilight of his career, being led by John Elway. So I like it. I like the marriage. All right. So, and for the, yeah. the Broncos side too, Sammy. Yeah. They've been looking for a quarterback ever since. Since Peyton Manning retired. Since Peyton Manning. So right. they stopped we're, the carousel. Now they have insurance. We're definitely going to see how valuable and how good Russell Wilson is because the Seahawks are the indicator this year. And by my calculations, they're going to win two to three games total and, <laughs> and show you why Russell Wilson was that good. You don't like Gino Smith? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that says it all. All right, well, let's play a really, really quick kind of uh, round robin game here. We're, we're saying somewhere between five and ten. I'm going to throw out some quarterback names just real quick. One word response from each of you, better or worse. In ter- and we'll, let's, let's try to find a spot for him. All right, let's go uh, Justin Herbert. Damn. Uh, it's. Can I just say this? He's yeah. tie. I'll, I'll give the edge to Wilson because he has playoff experience. Okay. I'm going to say worse. Worse, okay. June. Yeah, I'm saying Justin Herbert's worse. Justin At Herbert's this point. worse, so you take At Wilson. This- yeah, I'll take Wilson too. That's, that's I'll what take I meant. All of you take Wilson. Okay. I'm taking yeah. Wilson. At okay, this I'm, point, yes. At this okay. point, yeah. Okay, I'm going to respectfully disagree, but let's go with majority. All right, so Russell Wilson <laughs> it is. Josh Allen. Better. Better. Jay? Definitely. Josh Allen is better. June. Agreed. Josh Allen's better. I agree too. All right, uh, Tom Brady. Yeah! I mean, I said it earlier at the beginning he's of this better, episode, right? so I can't say I can't say he's better. No, he's he's worse. Uh, I was on the fence. Like, okay. I would put maybe put him on there, but I'm gonna say worse. When you say worse, so Wilson is worse. No, sorry, Tom Brady's worse than Wilson. Tom, okay, Jay. Okay. At this point, at this point, today, okay. Jay. Ooh, you never bet against Tom Brady. <laughs> never. June. I'm going Brady. I'm going Brady on this one. I'm, I'm going to agree with you guys. Brady as well. Yeah. All right, let's throw out a couple interesting ones then, because I think we All determined right. who's above him. Matthew Stafford. Worse. Okay. And I know he's uh, a Super Bowl champion trying to defend his title this year, but I'm like, as much as I love Stafford, he made clutch throws. Cup was clearly the reason, you know, the huge, and Aaron Donald. The two biggest reasons, in my opinion, why they won the Super Bowl. There is no bathroom! <laughs> Jay? I'm going to say that uh, Wilson's better. Wilson's better. June? Yeah, Wilson's better. Exactly for what John just said. Yeah. Okay. All right, I'll go with you guys on that. I'm honestly, like, right on the fence on that one. But mm. Yeah, it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a clear cut for me either. Yeah. All right. I'll throw one. No, actually, I'm going to give you guys two more, and then we'll move on. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I mean, are we talking? One. Are we talking about like all around impact it. on the game? Mm, okay, because you all can't just talk about them game. as a passer. Lamar, Jackson yeah, I get it. I get it. Lamar Jackson is he's well, dangerous. Let's, let's put it out there. Okay, um, give me your thoughts, John. I am going to say that he is worse than Russell, just because based on, I mean. Like what they do. I mean, Russell Wilson is a proven winner. So okay. I'm going to say worse. Lamar Jackson right. is worse. Okay. Lamar Jackson is worse. Um, Lamar Jackson Jackson, arguably has had a better roster within the last five seasons. Okay. 
had a better O-line, had a better defense, yet Russell Wilson has been further than him and okay. has proved himself in the postseason. Yeah, Lamar Jackson might have even had a better coach if you ask some Seattle fans. Let's argue that. I, I would argue that too. I agree with that. So, I mean, I, I have to go to, with Russell Wilson here um, just because I feel like Lamar Jackson had all the right tools to surpass him and didn't. Okay. So, all right. All right. Last one. And this one plays into the playoff experience that all of you are talking about. Joe Burrow. Damn. Wow. This season, That's a, Joe Burrow. This season, Joe Burrow or Russell Wilson. Wow, that's a tough one. I mean, they both going to have really good teams, really potent offenses. Man, this one is, is you save the best, the hardest for last, at least in my opinion. Um, yeah, this one's tough. Because I think Joe Burrow is going to have a down year compared to last year, and I think Russell Wilson is going to have an up year compared to last year, I'm going to go with Wilson. Okay. June? Um, I might go with Joe Burrow on this one. I know this sounds kind of surprising, but I'm thinking about like Joe Burrow's weapons. Mm-hmm. They're pretty similar to what um, Russell Wilson had in Seattle. And I feel like their O-line was pretty much the same. I mean, the Bengals O-line wasn't that great last year, right? No, it was, it was terrible last year. So, I mean... Yeah, I think I think I'm gonna go with Joe here. Okay, Jay, I'm gonna go with Joe. Joe was better. He was one of the most efficient pocket passers last year. They improved the O line, and with Jamar Chase, I think he's just gonna get better. So I agree with uh, Jay and June on this one, only because I like the continuity that that team is growing together, and their biggest hole by far was the O line. They signed three new starters, all of exactly. which were significant upgrades. So. I think Burrow's primed to have a big year. I completely get where you're coming from on that, John. That one was tight for me. So I would say you you guys probably do all have him fringe top five by the sound of it. I personally probably have him somewhere in the seven, eight, nine range. But definite upgrade from uh, Drew Locke. So <laughs> happy trails. No. <laughs> no. And, oh, and man. No. We will, we will move on to... Uh, to another quarterback close to the hearts of two of our hosts here. Jimmy Garoppolo, after tons of speculation, is staying in San Francisco this year. Shocked to some people. Yeah, someone was crying after that. We just don't know who. One, so I know who. Without getting into like the nitty-gritty of the contract, two big things. It's a one-year deal. No trade clause. That does not mean he will not get traded. That just means he has full control if they do want to trade him. Trade deadline in the NFL is usually around October, November. It tends not to be that active, but a quarterback like this who has an expiring contract is usually not available. So we'll see what happens with this move. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this one to John first. What does the 49ers locker room dynamic look like with their previous starting quarterback now as the backup. And for Trey Lance, is this the right move? So the dynamic, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's gonna change much. He's just staying on the team. I I mean, he's now a backup. So if anything, that's gonna affect him, but I don't think he's gonna cause, he doesn't seem like the type of guy to cause a mess or a ruckus in the locker room. 
What this does say to me, though, as an outsider, as a non-49er fan, is that the 49ers are not sold. The jury is still out on Trey Lance. This is what that says to me. That and keeping Jimmy Garoppolo for another year as, to me, insurance, because he is a proven, regardless of how you think of, it, of him as a quarterback and how he plays, he is a proven, he's a certainty or he's consistent in what he does and what he brings, right? Whether that's a Super Bowl title or whether that's an elite quarterback play, that's a that's obviously a debate. But the, the you know what you're going to get with Jimmy Garoppolo. Trey Lance is still a question mark. So I think, to me, that says that they're not completely sold on Trey Lance. And I know that Roe and June don't want to hear that and RJ, but I to me, I, it's like a clear... That's a clear reasoning as to as as a reason. I mean, I don't get the I don't know the numbers. Maybe you guys can touch up on that. But to me, that's that's part of the reason why they decided to keep Garoppolo for one more year. Oh my goodness! Okay, June, Jay, your thoughts being hardcore Niner fans yeah. on on John's thoughts there. I I do see <laughs> some of the logic in what he's saying for sure, and I've heard um, a few camp reports of the same. What do you guys think? I think it's it's multi layered. Like what with what happened with Jimmy Garoppolo, one is an option was to cut him, right? That's what people were expecting for us to cut him. There are also rumors that Seattle was interested in signing for Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think as sportsmanship right works, we didn't want to give Jimmy Garoppolo for nothing to a divisional rival. So that's one. Two is that. If we ended up doing this contract with him and he ends up walking next year, we get a third round draft pick compensation. So it it sounded like there just wasn't enough suitors or a good enough trade for the Niners to to hit on here. So we decided to do basically nothing and just sign him and hope for maybe an injury or someone needs like a like a team is desperate for a quarterback and make a trade during the season. That's what I saw. JJ, what did you think? Okay, when you're dealing with the Shanahan's, especially with Kyle, you're dealing with people that are very egotistical, they're blunt, and all they care about is winning. They don't really care about feelings, and we've seen that within the past few years with this regime. Kyle Shanahan last year was one loss away from being one and five with winning records with the 49ers. The common denominator when he does win is a healthy quarterback. That healthy quarterback would be who? Jimmy Garoppolo. But we've all learned that the best availability or best ability is availability. So Shanahan's probably thinking, well, shoot, we have this rookie quarterback and his backup is Mr. Irrelevant, literally the last pick of our draft in Purdy. And that's a scary thought with a mobile quarterback and your backup is a draft, a drafted quarterback with no experience. So you bring insurance in and who's been to the NFC Conference Championship, who's been to the Super Bowl, who knows the teammates, knows the culture, knows the coaching staff. And this is all obviously speaking from vacuum, but I do want to state that the 49ers and give them credit whenever there's drama They've been able to massage the issue. Look at Debo, who wanted her trade request. Look at Robbie Gold, who held out. And now with Jimmy Garoppolo. 
So we'll see. Right. Yeah. And this is it's so fascinating to look at this on so many levels because on the level of trade value, I completely agree with where June is coming from. Because the guy has value, it's just there's no landing spot right now outside of the division rival you don't want to trade him to. And you don't want to lose him for for nothing. And like June mentioned, someone is going to sign him to be a starter next year if he ends up on the Niners for the season, right? And if they do that, he's probably going to get 20, 25 million a year, which means the Niners will get that third round pick. So why not hang on to him for the year? Keep him as that competent backup and get your third round pick at the end of the year. So that's one thought. The other thought that I'm wondering, though, and this goes back to what John was saying about uh, related to Trey and it ties into... JJ and injury history and a backup. Let's say Trey doesn't get hurt, but they open one and four. Are you dividing the locker room? And is the locker room going to start to turn a little bit because they know that there's a guy in there who's led them to a Super Bowl appearance and to an NFC championship? That's the part that's so, like, you have to have so much faith in your backup quarterback not to create any drama. And the only comp I was trying to think where we've seen any sort of dynamic even similar to this was when Drew Bledsoe got hurt and Tom Brady took over all the way back in 2001. Mm -hmm. And Bledsoe stayed on the roster. He didn't complain that we knew of, and he even stepped in the AFC Championship that year when Brady got hurt. But even then, he only came in for injury purposes. Or Bledsoe only lost his job for injury purposes. He didn't, uh, you know, they didn't declare him the back at the start of the year. So that's the part I'm that really I'm, I'm fascinated to watch play out. So I really want to see how the Niners open the season. So let me kick one more question to the Niner fans here. If they open up poorly and Lance looks, let's say not terrible, but not great. Do you think Shanahan would go to Jimmy or do you think that Jimmy is only there if Trey gets hurt this year? Um. I think no matter what, Kyle Shanahan is going to stick with Trey Lance. He's one of those dudes where, like, he wants to see his people Mm -hmm. succeed. And Trey Lance literally was hand-chosen by this staff. Mm -hmm. And I know that Jimmy Garoppolo, like, in essence, was also chosen. But Shanahan actually didn't even want Jimmy Garoppolo. We've heard this in interviews before. He wanted Kirk Cousins. Yep, that's right. And that was actually the best thing that they could get. And Kyle Shanahan said, I can make this work. That's not really like I'm head over heels for this guy. Exactly. So Trey Lance is the dude. And I think he's going to force that as much as possible and also try to shop Jimmy as much as fast as he can because it could turn sour pretty quick. Right. And that locker room, it, it has the potential to be explosive. We're just lucky that Jimmy G is like a cool-headed guy. You yeah. know, he's kind of accepting this role. What do you think, JJ? I agree with you, but I think Shanahan's threshold is, you know, he's not going to tolerate poor play from Lance. He needs a shot to get into the postseason. So I'm going to tell you guys, I think if the Niners are playing poorly, and it's eight games in. He's just going to be like, all right, it's back to Jimmy. The oh, roster's dang. way too talented. The NFL yeah, just came true. out with their top 100, and the Niners had the second most players. It's win-now mode. Okay. 
Uh, John, to close this, I'll ask you then, as the impartial observer when it comes to this team of our panel here, would you pull Trey if the Niners open, let's say, one and four? Five games in. I would probably wait it out to okay. like seven or eight games. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, one and four is teetering on close to pulling the quarter. I mean, I'm like, for me, football is, is it's a team sport, obviously. I mean, you don't lo- win and lose by one player. That's the bottom line. But the, someone's going to get the blame, and it's going to be either the quarterback or the head coach or management. Usually, that's typically how it works. So, um, but personally, no, I wouldn't pull him that early. I would probably wait maybe closer to half the season. Okay. Can I just I, put this yeah. detail in? If Trailland sucks, it's because it's Trailland's fault. <laughs> Jenan has made Nick Mullins look like a pro bowler who was, I think, second or third most in passing yards during the 2020 season. That's fair. Great point. If there's a way that Trey Lance is that terrible, then Jimmy Garoppolo, go ahead. Yeah. That would be a a huge misfire on that draft (laughs) then. Yeah. Like, like understatement. You just opened one door, and I don't want to open a Pandora's box here, but maybe... The conspiracy theorist in me is going to throw this out there. If Trey totally bombs, maybe there's a, a world where they kept Jimmy to re-sign him and just keep keep the boat afloat, basically, because they okay. know that he can play the system. <laughs> all, right, before, all right, all right. I'm not, I'm gonna, one last thing I'm going to ask Please. you, Sammy, and I'm not going to ask the 49er <laughs> faithful here because they're going to be biased. Who of these two quarterbacks is going to be better at the end of their careers, or at least just overall? Justin Fields or Trey Lance? And Great question. don't let anybody influence your answer here. Just answer honestly, Sammy. Okay. My honest answer is Trey Lance. Here's the reason, though. It's because oh Justin God. Fields is being put in the absolute worst position <laughs> to succeed possible. And Trey Lance was put into if not the best, close to the best situation he could have been where he got to sit for a year. He has weapons all over the place around him and a team that's built to win. It's actually very similar to the situation Patrick Mahomes walked into in Kansas City. Justin Fields is being put on a team where he has almost no offensive line. Darnell Mooney, who's a decent slot guy, is his best receiver. And he's got a (laughs) defensive head coach and literally nothing around him. So I think if you flip them... And I actually remember talking to JJ about this before we ever even did this podcast together. I actually thought Justin Fields was going to be the Niners pick the whole way. That's what I thought. Uh, So I'll go with Lance pretty easily right now, but I think it's situation driven. In a vacuum, I actually like Fields a little better, to be completely honest with you. Okay. So that's all. So I'll leave it at that. So with that, (laughs) let's, uh, let's take a short break and hear from our sponsor. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, and we're going to come back with our last two divisional previews. For those of you who have listened to the prior ones, first of all, thank you. And if you recall them, what we did is kind of set up each division. We threw out some divisional odds, uh, some high-level additions that those teams made, and we just broke down what we liked in terms of either team or individual-based betting props and things of that nature. So we're going to go to the AFC North today. Very interesting division uh, from my perspective. We're going to start with the divisional odds. Baltimore is actually the favorite, plus 140. Cincinnati is right behind them at plus 170. Cleveland checks in at plus 380, and Pittsburgh comes in at plus 1,000. Key additions, Baltimore mostly focused on the trenches. Uh, They added Michael Pierce and Morgan Moses on the offensive and defensive line. Drafted Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame to play safety. He's taking Tony Jefferson's spot. Cincinnati went hard after the offensive line. They signed Lyle Collins from the Cowboys, Alex Kappa from Tampa, and Ted Karras. Cleveland traded for a a certain quarterback that we all know and love, Deshaun Watson. They uh, (laughs) traded for Amari Cooper from the Cowboys. And to start the first 11 games of the year, they also signed Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Speaking of signing (laughs) or drafting multiple quarterbacks, Pittsburgh signed Mitchell Trubisky, last seen being blown up in Chicago. They drafted Kenny Pickett out of Pitt. They signed Miles Jack from Jacksonville, and they drafted George Pickens, who was last seen running over cornerbacks in the NFL preseason. (laughs) On the win totals front, this one I have never seen before. Despite being the divisional favorite, Baltimore is the second highest win total projection in the division at nine and a half. Cincinnati is projected at 10. Cleveland's projected at eight and a half. Pittsburgh's all the way up at seven and a half. So, actually lastly, let me let me throw a couple more in there. Super Bowl odds, the two that I found interesting, Baltimore's at plus 2,000, Cincinnati at plus 2,200. And then to make the playoffs, Baltimore's at minus 165, Cincinnati's minus 130, Cleveland's plus 175, and Pittsburgh's plus 350. So I know I threw a lot of information out there to start on the team front. Let's just start at the top, beyond betting odds. Who do you guys like to win the division outright? And June, I'm going to start with you here. Man, I'm, I'm going with the Bengals. I'm going with them. I like the extra year for Joe Burrow. I like um, just the continuity that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I know that Baltimore is right there, but honestly, I'm I'm not really a huge believer in Lamar Jackson. Um, just he's got a bunch of highlights, but I just don't have faith in him, like in the pocket, and him being able to dissect teams with his study. You know what I mean? I don't know. Okay. But I'm going with the Bengals. Gotcha. JJ, I'm actually gonna go with Baltimore. Okay. I might just think because I don't know if this is um, biased since John and I drafted Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson in our fantasy uh, <laughs> leagues, but <laughs> you know I feel that the run game is good. They're solid on offense. They're solid on defense, and I believe in the Super Bowl hangover. And look what happened with the Bengals last year. Don't want to talk smack, but Sammy, I think you would agree that that was kind of lucky that they made it that far. 
A little bit. Let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> but props to Joe Burrow. I'm going to say that. But I think I'm going to go even under on their win total and over for Baltimore's at nine and a half. Okay. All right. Nice. John? As much as I want to agree with JJ, and because I drafted Lamar Jackson in my league, my one of my leagues, Lamar Jackson is like, and I'm going to cross-reference another sport here. He's like the Sean Marion of football. He's going to put up amazing fantasy stats, but you don't want him shooting a three-pointer with his awful form, Sean Marion. Or, and you don't want Lamar Jackson throwing a crucial pass at the end of the fourth quarter to try to win the game. He's just not that type of play. I mean, he just... You need... Okay, to win a playoff game, to win the Super Bowl, you need to be able to have a quarterback that can be accurate. That's just the bottom line. He's not going to be able to run, you know, in the, especially in the playoffs against great defensive teams. So... I'm going to go with the Bengals on this. And I think they're going to... I know that they there's a possible possibility of a Super Bowl hangover, like JJ said. But I think that they're, what they strengthened, their O-line, which was their huge weakness last year, is going to do wonders for them. Not only for Joe Mixon, but for Joe Burr's time. And you give him time, he is an elite quarterback. You can tell already based on what he's shown. He's proven it. And so... Give him time and chase Higgins, Boyd, they're going to go off. And I think the Bengals are going to win that division handedly. Okay. I like the analysis. I This one I was divided on, and I slid to a certain side based on one theory. And you guys can, by all means, if you think it's crazy for me to go off of this logic, call me out on it. I'm going with Baltimore. And the reason I'm going with Baltimore is because of the time-tested theory in athletes of the contract year and what that brings out in a player. Lamar Jackson has an expiring contract this year. He has clearly made it out, made it shown that he's not happy about it. The rumor is he wants a fully guaranteed deal thanks to the morons in Cleveland and what they gave Deshaun Watson. (laughs) So I just picture a big comeback year from him only because he got attacked a lot last year for a guy who's been MVP recently. So I think he's going to come back and respond. I will say I love Cincinnati's offseason. I really do. But I also have a little bit of belief in the Super Bowl hangover. It just seems like it's taken down so many teams. And Cincinnati didn't go from like one step to one step to one step. You know, they went from like five and 12 to the Super Bowl. And I just I can picture a little regression there, not necessarily because they're going to be worse, but it's it's hard to stay at that standard once you've gotten there. They're, guess, they're, be, they're the ones being hunted now. They're no exactly. longer the hunters. So I could end up eating my words on this completely. Like if Cincinnati goes 12 and 5, wouldn't shock me in the slightest. But I have a feeling there's a big campaign coming from Jackson. So Sammy. I'm going to take Baltimore. Yeah, John. How much did the Bengals <laughs> beating the Chiefs weigh into your decision here? <laughs> Let's move on to the next topic. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm just kidding. I will I will freely tell you I have not watched a replay of that game since that game was played. Um, it, it, it hurts the soul a little bit, but I'm also hoping that's motivation for the uh, comeback MVP campaign from our favorite son, Patrick hey. Mahomes. Uh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to give you some quick individual awards. And this isn't a pick one. This is do you like any of these? MVP, Joe Burrow plus 1,200, Lamar Jackson at plus 2,000, 
And either of those sound appealing to anybody out here. I don't like either of them. Frankly. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. All right, Jay, you in the same boat? Not yeah, fan? same boat. Okay. Offensive player of the year: Nick Chubb plus two thousand, Jamar Chase plus three thousand. Chase is tempting. I'm not gonna lie. I'm with yes. you on this one. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's super tempting just because of the year that he put up in year yeah. one, and I that, think with an O line that they they improved upon, I feel like Chase can definitely win that award. Yeah, June, any thoughts on that one? Do you like that one as well? I like that one too, just because the number is so high. Right. I mean, plus 3,000, but Offensive Player of the Year to win that as a non-quarterback is really, really tough. Can, can I can sure. I dispute that with you a little bit? Yeah, sure. So the only thing I've noticed is Offensive Player of the Year feels like it's turned into non-quarterback MVP to me. Oh, the MVP okay. has typically been a quarterback. And then mm. Offensive Player of the Year, like last year, I think it was Cooper Cup that won it. Um, I can't remember who won the year before, but I, I actually feel like that one's going to go to a receiver this year or Jonathan Taylor. Oh, interesting. Be, okay. Yeah, it might, it might be the Jet. Jet might be up there, too. Yeah. So I, I definitely like a little sprinkle on Jamar Chase on that one, too. I'm with you guys otherwise. Defensive player of the year. These are actually the two two of the co-favorites. Miles Garrett plus 700, TJ Watt plus 700. As long as Miles Garrett doesn't swing any helmets at anybody, I think uh, he might have a solid chance. <laughs> I like I like TJ Watt. You like TJ Watt? I like okay. TJ Watt in this one. Okay. Would, would would they give out a defensive player of the year if both teams are below five hundred? If they if the players play like just their stats are out of this world, like sake of argument, I think TJ Watt's gotten to twenty sacks before. If he breaks the sack yeah. record, I think you you got to give it to him. Okay, so that's con- that's my yeah. contingent decision. Just because I believe Cleveland and Pittsburgh won't win, they're not going to be good. Yeah. So yeah. funny you bring that up. You're actually segueing perfectly into the last thing I wanted to ask about this division. The elephant in the room that was finally determined is that Deshaun Watson will be out 11 games. Yet the win total for Cleveland is still eight and a half. And it's almost like their stats weren't detracted as much as I thought they would be. Does anybody have any faith in Cleveland to make the playoffs or do any damage this year? Can they hold the fort until Watson gets back? Does anyone want to? No. No. I'll I'll take a stab at it. Bursett, he played in his first game last week, and he looked terrible. Mm -hmm. They have a really deep roster all around, but the most important position quarterback yeah come on man and we talked about this before fellas you have faith in watson that he'll be a-okay when he comes back he didn't even look good this year for those seven snaps and he hasn't played in a year and a half or he wouldn't have played about a year and a half by the time he gets on the field that's a good point john any faith in cleveland (laughs) at all here Uh, i mean the only the only uh hesitation i have here is that odds makers always know what they're doing they always True. have these numbers for a True. reason and so as much <laughs> as we would love i would agree with you guys that there's no chance in he double hockey sticks that they could make this this number of wins i guarantee you it's going to be closer than we all think i'm with you on that i i think they're going to end up winning like seven to eight games um <laughs> i will say this i'm going to call my shot now and i will completely eat this uh if i'm wrong I have a hunch there's a certain quarterback in Carolina that's going to be a little too hyped up for week one, and I think Cleveland's going to go into Carolina and beat Baker Mayfield. 
<laughs> I'm going to throw that out there now. I think he's going to be way overhyped and they're going to take advantage of it. Especially if that quote that was rumored that he said was true. Did you guys hear about this? Yeah. I'll, I want to connect them up. up. Them up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Baker, dude. Yeah. Oh, my God. So call it a hunch. I think Cleveland goes in and beats them, and people get a little riled up like, oh, maybe Cleveland's for real, and then they get smacked in week two. That's, that's the <laughs> hunch I have with them. All right. Fair. So let's, let's move on to the final division <clears throat> we're going to cover, the NFC East, which by all accounts looks like a two-team race on the surface. So Dallas started out the offseason as a heavy favorite. They're now in uh, co-favorite with Philly. They're both plus 150. Washington checks in at plus 500. The Giants are at plus 800. So key ads over the offseason, Dallas drafted Tyler Smith. Uh, he was set to play guard for them. It looks like he might slide to tackle now. They signed James Washington away from Pittsburgh. And now that Tyron Smith is hurt, they are expected to sign a 40-year-old Jason Peters, who did manage to start 15 games last year in Chicago. Philly was the splashiest offseason. They traded for A.J. Brown from Tennessee. They drafted Jordan Davis, who, if you guys recall, is the 370 or 80-pound defensive tackle who almost yeah. runs like a gazelle. Uh, and then they traded for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson yesterday, actually, from New Orleans, who's going to slot in and play safety for them. Uh, Washington traded for Carson Wentz. I don't know if you want to call that an upgrade or a downgrade. They drafted Jahan <laughs> Watson, and they signed Trey Turner to play guard. The Giants' biggest addition was a head coach. They signed over Brian DeBall, who was the offensive coordinator in Buffalo. They drafted Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal both at the top of the draft. Kayvon Thibodeau plays defensive end. Evan Neal is going to play tackle for them. Win totals. So this one's actually semi-similar to the NFC or the AFC North. So even though they're co-favorites, Philly's win total is still at 9.5. Dallas is at 10. Washington is at 8. The Giants are at 7. Uh, the Giants and, or excuse me, the Cowboys and Eagles have the exact same NFC title and Super Bowl odds. Plus 1,000 to win the conference, plus 2,200 to win the Super Bowl. Strength of schedule is really interesting in this particular division, probably because the division's not very good. The Giants have the easiest strength of schedule in the league. Philly's at number two, Washington's at six, Dallas is at 10. Again, just giving credit to sharp football analysis because this is based on projected team win totals this year, which I feel is more accurate. So, let's start off here. So based on co-favorites of Dallas and Philly, the additions, anything I threw out at you guys, What's your quick take on this division? This one, let's uh, let's start off with John here. John, what do you think of the NFCs? <laughs> Man, this dumpster fire of a division. <laughs> I'm gonna say that. Um, well, th- there's a reason why Dallas and, and Philly are tied for the odds to win to win the division, and you know Washington, the Commanders, and the Giants are just awful. They're not even gonna sniff winning this. So. Man, I know Dallas just lost Tyron Smith, which is a big hit for them. They have Zeke. They still got uh, Dak. They have Tony Pollard. Who did they add a receiver? So they signed James Washington, but he got hurt. He's going to be out for a few weeks. Uh, And then they drafted Jalen Tolbert, who is a uh, third round pick, expected to be their number three receiver. And CD. CD, Right. And they saw CD who's expected to take a big step. So, oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Dallas. I think the the Cowboys are gonna win the division, but I do like Philly. I like AJ Brown. I think he's gonna do well in in a different setting. Um, you know, they're gonna be able to uh, they're gonna be more dynamic with Jalen Hurts. He's gonna be able to get out of the pocket, create more plays than Ryan Tannehill would ever be able to do with AJ Brown. So, um, 
I'm going to go with Dallas, though. I think they're going to win the division. That's, that, I'm going to stick with that. Okay. June? Man, I, I really want to say the Eagles because I like what they've done. But the thing is, is that like I'm not a believer of, of Jalen Hurts. I haven't seen enough of winning qualities from him yet. And so I'm, I'm actually going to say the Cowboys. And I know this sounds kind of ironic because the Cowboys seem to like kind of poop the bed at the end of the like at the end of every season, dude. But I feel like out of these four teams, they are the best equipped to win. So I'm going to go with that. All right, JJ. I'm going to pick the Eagles. I feel that they had probably the strongest offseason in terms of what they picked up. I feel that Dallas got a lot weak. There's some positions that show weakness, like you said, the wide receiver core. Linebackers look good, corners look good, but everything else other than Dak Prescott, it's a question mark. I do want to note that Washington is very interesting at uh, eight wins just because I don't we don't know how they're gonna perform you have Wentz at the helm but arguably the best D-line you have a strong wide receiving core and you just don't know what this division and can I just say this what the hell Giants at seven wins that should be at like <laughs> three or two <laughs> Danny Dimes baby what Danny is going Dimes. there What's going on there, guys? I I know. That one sticks out to me, too. And I'm just thinking, like, am I being too biased? Because that team feels like they're going to go 5-12 and to me. It almost (laughs) feels like they they don't have any faith in this division, dude. They, like, they think they could beat their own division. I think that's part of it. They're giving them some extra wins, I feel like. Oh, yeah, strength of the schedule. I think think that's what it is, too. Because on paper, I look at the Giants and, like, if I had to, you know, rank, do my own power rankings, 1 through 32, I can't imagine them being above 25 for me or 26. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't like almost anything on that team outside of their yep. draft. I love their draft. I will say that. But one draft does not rebuild a team, especially like with I, Danny Dimes. Yes, John. Yeah. I mean, the Gi- yeah, for sure, Giants. I, that, that seven wins is perplexing. But even Washington at eight, I mean, like, outside of Scary Terry, who else do they have at receiver? Dawson is, Dawson's nice. Okay, Dodson. And Carson Wentz, like you said, is that an upgrade? That's questionable. And we'll Brian, Rob- yeah, Brian, Robbins- Brian Robinson, the guy that they drafted, he was supposed to be the starter, right? But he got hurt. Yeah, he, uh, he yeah. got shot, man. So glad to hear he's doing well. He should be back by right, week right. five. That's the hope. But he was, was he going to start over Gibson or was yeah, he going to do a he, uh, yeah. he was going to get the nod. And yeah. that was the other thing that was just weird because Gibson looked like he was a legit player last season. Right. But, I mean, they must have been high, super high on Brian Robinson. Then. Yeah, definitely. It sucks he got hurt, though. All right, yeah, I'm with Jay. I mean, like, those those win totals for Washington and New York Giants, questionable. But, again, odds makers, they're, they're like, they sold their soul a long time ago. Long time <laughs> ago. So they know so, what's going on for some reason. Yeah, uh, I will tell you, on the just best team in the division front, I think you guys laid out exactly what I'm thinking really well. Philly, on paper, by far, to me, has the best roster. I don't think it's close in terms of just the all-around composition of that roster. To me, as much hate as he gets, Dak is the best quarterback in this division. I I think Hurts is getting better, but Dak, to me, is is the best quarterback. And right now, it's still not debatable, as far as I'm concerned. Because the last memory I have of Jalen Hurts is just getting ripped by Tampa in the playoffs. But... 
they have a really creative head coach. They added a, a number one receiver. They have a 1A and a 1B now. And Dallas losing Tyron Smith is really going to hurt them. So it just depends. Can Dak will them past Philly? And I'm divided, man. I'm 50-50. I see why this division is so tight in terms of that ranking. So for me, I actually have a lean on Philly over as the win total as one of the things I Ooh. like. Let me help you, Sammy. Help me out. Dallas still has Mike McCarthy. Oh, that's rough. Oh, that, that's rough. <laughs> because it's true. That's why you go with the Eagles. Guy. If you want me to give you another hot take, I think by this time next year, the head coach in Dallas is Sean Payton. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. Ooh. So, Actually, you know what? That makes my decision for me. If I think Sean Payton's the head coach, that means the Cowboys didn't win the division. So That's true. I guess I'm taking the Eagles. Uh, so... I, I just, yeah, I think I think McCarthy's just not a good head coach at all, and that's going to factor into this too. So, so those are our picks there. Let's let's throw out individual awards in this division. I don't like a lot of what I saw, so I'm just going to throw this out there to you guys. The only odds were any of these teams' players are in the top five or even top ten. Defensive Player of the Year, Micah Parsons is at plus one thousand. Love Micah Parsons. I think he he's going to be a top five defensive player for a decade as long as he doesn't yeah. get hurt. Chase Young is at plus 3,000. I will freely tell you all this too. Chase Young is going to be out the first four games of the year. Do either of these remotely interest any of you? Micah Parsons is interesting to me because yeah. of what you said. He is like a, he has potential to be a phenom if he yeah. isn't already. Yeah. Um, Chase Young being out four games, I just don't think they were, like, they're going to entertain that unless you have an incredible 13 games of defensive prowess that just like you can't deny it's hard to give somebody an award that hasn't played for the entire season agreed agreed yeah. Micah Parsons for either of you guys it's tough to say I mean I, I feel like the Cowboys would have to do or would have to be like really good or winning at least mm-hmm. for Micah Parsons to catch that um, like that media attention for Depoy but it's it's there it's possible. I mean, they're in the right division to take it over. So that is true. Good point. Jay, yes, sir. Uh, any any no, attraction with, to that bet? No, like, yeah, I'm agreeing with uh, John and Jun. I have not much to say. I, I love Chase Young. I love how he plays. I love that D-line as a whole. But since he is out, the Michael Parsons, you know, I would take that route. Okay. I, I think so too, and I with Parsons, what I have noticed is since McCarthy does not touch the defense, it actually works out in Parsons' favor because they actually they move him all over the defense. So he could be that rare player where he ends up with 14, 15 sacks this year and then three or four interceptions. And if you have something like that statistically, it's going to pop when, when you're voting on awards. So I would like it a little better if his odds were like 14 or 1,500, but still not bad at 1,000. Hmm. All right, so uh, to wrap this portion up, like I have the last few pods, I'll just give you guys my personal best bets and I'll get your thoughts. So I'm actually gonna throw out, this is a prop bet that I didn't get to talk about in the main portion of the actual divisional analysis. A best bet I like is Philly to score the most points in the division. Pays plus 175. I think Dallas is gonna go ball control a little bit more. So even if Dak is the better quarterback, I think they're gonna try to chew up clock. 
And with with Philly's weapons, I I like them to possibly put up points this year. Garbage so. time hurts, baby. He won fantasy <laughs> yeah. last year. Four and four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. He won. Yeah, I think that's a pretty decent bet. Throw that out there. Um, I mentioned earlier, I like Philly over nine and a half. I think because of how weak their schedule is in the division is, I think they win at least 10 games. Whether that means they win the division or not, I'm not sure. So I feel like this gives me a little protection. So for those of you who picked the Cowboys to win the division, do you, did you pick the Cowboys to win because you think they're going to win 11 or 12? Or do you think Philly's not ready for the big stage yet? For me, it's Philly's not ready for the big stage. Okay. That's, that's my main concern. Okay. Which you might be right. It's going to be interesting yeah. to see how they come out firing the first three or four games. I think, uh, John, you took Dallas also. Did you faith did. in Dallas or lack of faith in Philly? Uh, I'm going to say a very, very cautiously and very hesitantly faith in the Cowboys. I think C.D. Lamb makes a leap. Okay. Um, and Dak... And Zeke is serviceable, and he wasn't injured. I know he was not good before his injury last year, but, you know, different year, new year, maybe things come around. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys being better. Okay. Next best bet I like, uh, this is a little bit of protection in case Cincinnati does not have a Super Bowl hangover. Baltimore to make the playoffs. And I like this one better than their win total because their win total has really heavy juice. It's minus 170 for nine and a half. On the outside chance they go 9-8 and eight and the conference is a little weaker than expected, this gives me uh, another out with slightly less juice. So, like Baltimore to make the playoffs, I do think they'll be in it this year. This one, I think, would be in trouble if there is an actual chance of four playoff teams coming out of the AFC West, which has been kicked out there. But I'm not nearly as high on the Raiders as other people are. So, we'll see if I'm right or wrong on that. Long shot bets. The Eagles to be the one seed overall in the NFC. This one is a pure strength of schedule. Tom Brady just took a two-week break. Matt Stafford has an elbow injury that we're not sure about. Like, this is not the Eagles are the best team. This is the Eagles have the easiest path bet. At those odds, I liked it enough to throw a little sprinkle on it. That would, that would be crazy. That would be so crazy. I mean, I, right. that's that's bold, man. I think that's the, the, bold. The, I only reason, the only reason you why I would I would yeah. I would question this is because the reasons you listed are because of the outside factors. Tom Brady hasn't been consistent, and Stafford has an elbow injury. But you have to remember that the Eagles also have AJ Brown on their team, who's made of glass. So. You can probably safely assume that he's not going to play an entire season. Okay, that's a good point. That is a good point. That is very much, I will freely say, that's a a lot of ifs to occur kind of bet. Yes. But at 1,400, I'll throw a a 100 spot on it and just see what happens. (laughs) All right, last long shot bet. This is, if I'm wrong about Cincinnati and they don't have the hangover, then they're really well built. So I'm actually, the other long shot is just a, a small amount on them to win the AFC. 12 to 1. So. I like it. You like that one? That that one is an attrition yeah. bet, too, on the other teams beating each other up. AFC yeah. West. So on and so forth. So. I like this one, too. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate for Cincinnati this year. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining me on the uh, divisional 
coverage throughout the season. I'm going to revisit these only if I did well. If not, we're never going to talk about them again. Uh, all right. So to close <laughs> out our NFL pods for the offseason, bold predictions. So I want I want to go around. <laughs> you give me one bold prediction, a player, a team, whatever it is you want. June, start with you. What's your bold prediction for the NFL season? Bold prediction for the NFL season. Hmm. My bold prediction has nothing to do with my affiliation with the 49ers okay. or my love for them, by the way. But my bold prediction is that Nick Bosa is gonna won is gonna win Deep Boy this year. Nice. Mm. Nice. Fifteen to one odds. Is it fifteen to one? Dang. It is fifteen to That's one, yeah. Good. I only remember that because JJ and I talked about it a little last week, and I remember seeing the number. There we go. Nice. All right, John, what's your bold prediction for this NFL season? Oh, it's bold, all right. And I'm going to go, I'm going to add to it and and make another prediction. It's going to be a prediction on a prediction for next season as well. So I'm going to say that the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to miss the playoffs. Wow. Whoa. And I'm going to say Tom Brady will be a 49er next year somehow, some way. <laughs> wow. I like it. That's a big one. You said one. both. You said both. Hey, I love it. I love the bold take. All right. JJ, fan of the apparently future home of Tom Brady, what is your bold prediction <laughs> for next season? It's a little mix of both of my, my bros here, but I'm going to say that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers will not make the playoffs. Nice. Nice. I like them both. I like it. RJ, our video producer, do you have anything you want to chime in with for us on this one? Call your shot. The Broncos are going to win the Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on, man. (laughs) Wow. That's the goal that I think of all That one hurts my soul. So... I like it. I, I can see it happening. I appreciate your boldness. I sincerely hope you are very wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate the bold prediction. I just cannot stand the Broncos. All right. I'm going to throw out mine here to wrap us up. The Minnesota Vikings will make the NFC Championship. That is going to be my bold prediction. That ties in to JJ's Green Bay will miss the playoffs. I think having a real offensive coach is going to do wonders for that team. So... We'll see. If, if all my crazy takes on here are right, maybe we'll see everyone in Philly for the Eagles-Vikings NFC title game this year, but who knows? God, no. <laughs> but anyway, with that, that is all we have for today. So for everyone who's been following us on these NFL pods, we appreciate it. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week to start basketball podcasts. I want to shout out RJ, our video producer. Check out our YouTube channel, rate, subscribe, and review us, and like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. And of course, I want to thank my, my fellow hooligans for being on. June, thank you for being on as always. Thank you, man. Jay, thanks for being on. Get ready for some football. For sure. John, thank you for being on. Hey, thank you. Have a great night. Thank you, and thank you as always for listening. We will see you all next week. Thanks. Nice.